You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's one game down and 55 to go. The Philadelphia Flyers take the season opener against the Pittsburgh Penguins. They'll do it again on Friday, but for now, episode 60 of Orange and Backcheck right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Yep, 1-0, undefeated in the NHL at the current moment. The only undefeated team left in the NHL, right? How's it going? Oh, I knew I was going to, I knew that was going to annoy you. It's Orange and Backcheck. How are you doing this evening, Scott? The Flyers won. Hey, look, you can't ask for a better start to the season. You're a back and forth game. You went down 1 nothing. You went up 2 1, 2 2, 3 2, 3 3, 4 3, 5 3, 6 3. I love it. I absolutely love it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm jacked up with the way the fact or just the fact we have hockey back now. It's here. It's back. Right? It's real. It's right? real. Toronto sucks and it's great. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto sucks. We don't know when da- the Dallas Stars are ever going to play. If oh like God. again, because of that whole nonsense with COVID, obviously Shane Gossespierre is now in COVID protocol. A lot of questions about what was going on with him, because uh, I think the speculation was just was AV soured on him and wasn't going to uh, put him in the lineup. So uh, let's focus on the defense first, because I think you and I were pretty much. Uh, in agreement on where what we saw, uh, it was interesting because it was similar. They st- there was no lineup changes. It was the same thing that we saw on Sunday night with the with the televised scrimmage, uh, and the big story. The big name was who are they going to pair Ivan Provorov with, right? Because he obviously lost Matt Niskanen. That was the duo, uh, the top duo of the nineteen twenty season, and and that was the big question mark. I would say that we talked about in our tw- in our season preview. And they put Justin Braun with him, and they kept Justin Braun with him, I should say, uh, from Sunday as well. And it's, I think the general consensus is it's fine for now, but it's going to show its glaring weak points throughout 60 minutes of a game. And as more teams get tape on these two or just generally know how these two play the game of hockey, um, it's not going to work in the long term. It's not going to work for a full 56 game season, I would say. I, and it's not because Justin Braun is a bad player. And right. it's because Ivan Provov is going to have to do more because of the, I don't want to say deficiency, but because of the way that Justin Braun plays the game. Mm-hmm. I get why if Ghost is out of the lineup right now, I know that at some point they're probably going to take a look at another Ghost and Provorov pairing have done in the past. I'm fine yeah. with that because Same. for Ghost defensive shortcomings, he'll make up for it on the offensive side of the puck if his shots aren't blocked like they normally are, unfortunately. Um, 
with Braun. Braun is a defensive style player. He doesn't he doesn't take many chances in the offensive zone, which is good, but he's also not a play driver like Niskanen was. Niskanen was your two-way defender that you used to have that could that could play offensively, but also was very responsible defensively. You have the defensive responsibility with Braun, but you don't have that offensive push-up by. So a lot of that is going to be on Provorov. Now, I didn't see too much of it tonight. I, I tried to pay attention as much as I could. I didn't see when the Penguins were established really trying to attack Justin Braun's side of the ice. Um, but eventually, that's going to likely happen. But we also have to take a step back here. We can keep harping on Matt Niskanen, but at the same time, this is a different team. And mm-hmm. I think we saw that tonight with Eric Gustafson and how much offensively he brought. Now, he did make a defensive mistake, which led to a goal on by Brandon Tanev. Um, but at the same time, if he's going to contribute more offensively than have more mistakes in his own end, I'm willing that trade-off and it'll kind of equal itself out in the end. Yeah, especially if because he had two points tonight. He had two really like he did exactly what we expected of him. You saw him on the power play two unit. You saw him create chances from the point, and it caused deflections that we saw from JVR in the first game, in the first goal, and then the second power play goal. I believe they credited to Nolan Patrick. I mean, we'll get into Nolan Patrick's return to the ice and, uh, along with Oscar Lindblom's. Um, it was just nice to. It, it was. It was like you said. It was nice that he was able to contribute on the offensive end. So your those mistakes that he made on the defensive end counterbalance. It, it's if you, are you going to trade two for one? 99% of the time you're going to take two for two for one, right? Like yeah, that, that, that's absolutely. generally how it goes. Yeah. He was, um, he was, he had two put two assists tonight and he was even. So, I mean, yeah. granted you don't get a really a plus for a power play point, but still um, it, it's still, I, I I'll take it because at the end of the day, if, as long as you're in that plus column for me, I think that's where you have your value at. And yep. th- look, they're, the Flyers are built a little bit differently this year. I really like that their fourth line would be a good third or maybe even second line on most teams. Yeah. Their depth was apparent tonight. Um, I know I talked last week about um, the Flyers uh, trying to, ma- ma- you know, I wouldn't say struggle, but really be in a dogfight to get into the playoffs. I'm not changing that. But I think you saw why at the beginning of the game is because it took them a little while to get established. It took them a while to get their legs going. And then finally, they got a little bit of a spark. They got the goals late in the first period and the second period. And the third, they really found a way to, to, to shut them down. So, yeah, I think for 40 minutes, it'll be this team of the past where they got off the slow start. You see their best then the second, and then they get better as the game goes along. And that comes back to conditioning, and that comes back to their depth because you have players like Nick Albay-Kubel, Michael Raffle, who's really turned into really a, a, a cornerstone here for this franchise, believe it or not, because he's been, yeah. not, he's been here for so long because he's so versatile. And then you have Scott Lawton, who could be a, easily a second, third line center on another team. And you have him as your fourth line center. I, you know, this team is going to click after a little while. Um, it's just going to be a little bit different because of how everything's set up. But I, overall tonight, I didn't see anything glaring that was bad. Just th- that flow is going to take him a while to get going. Yeah, I, and to just the fact that the fourth line was sustaining pressure, creating a forecheck, and creating chances, and you saw that on the Raffle goal, or excuse me, the Lawton goal that off the rebound of was a Raffle. Was or Raffle, but Raffle had was, the rebound, but Nick it was Lawton Obey, that created it. Well, and also Nick Obey Kubel because yeah. he started the actual. It was Lawton who poke checked it. Nick Obey Kubel drove it in, 
And then it was uh, Lawton sweeping to the corner and flipping it back out in front for your F3 and Michael Raffle. And, and it, I mean, that really turned the whole game. It Not because the Flyers took the lead back. It's because that was that juice goal. And sometimes mm-hmm. the teams that really need it is that they just need that that goal, that little spark to get them going. And that that's what they provided there. And I think that's what this team does. And the fact that how much depth they have is that their fourth line can be their energy line because they can score goals like that. And having as pretty as it was too, I, I think it just jacked the whole team up because a couple minutes after that, Konechny scored off that rebound and Hazy scored 20 seconds after that. So um, I, it, this, with, with, with the way they looked overall tonight, again, it's one game. Let's not overlook it. People were freaking out that they were down one nothing and they couldn't, you know, and, and Carter Hart had that ridiculous turnover. I had to um, rewrite my intro because I thought after the one game, the one goal deficit, they were going to they were gonna lose this game because I'm just, you know, that kind of a rational fan. I just don't, be ha- you know, you can only be <laughs> rational. It, take the 60 minutes of consideration. I, yeah, I know. Look, that goal by Carter Hart was, I mean, by Sidney Crosby. Let, let, I'm not taking anything away from Crosby. That was a hell of a play. Yeah. But in that's an instance, Carter Hart's got to learn, okay, that's a, that's a rim play. A rim play is when you swing the puck around off the wall and up the and Yeah, up the board, th- so. it, that was an, a, a rare moment in Carter Hart's young career that you don't really expect because he doesn't make a lot of those kind of mistakes. You should play um, What's that? <laughs> He shouldn't play the puck. Right. Don't yeah, play the play, puck. Don't, yeah. don't ever put it. That's rule number one that they tell you all the time is that don't play it in the middle, not in front and of guess the net what? like that. And guess what? That's that. That's the number one thing he was probably told at the intermission. It's probably what he's going to be yep. told again after the game tonight. Like, it, it, is he going to make that mistake again? Of course he is. Yeah, all probably. goalies have a flub. But he's not going to make it to, on Friday night is my prediction. Because I think – Fair enough. I think it's just drilled in his head. And I think the way he's mentally made up or the way he's mentally wired, he's not, he's going to make sure when that puck is in the no man's land, I'm not going to skate it. Let my back defenseman go and get it instead of try and create an unnecessary chance for the opposing team. Agreed. And look, we have to give Carter Hart a lot of credit too, because Carter Hart played a really good game tonight. He made a lot. He, he showed at some points of the game, you know, it doesn't matter how many goals you give up. It's back that you're giving up less than the other team. At the end of the day, Carter Hart, I thought was very solid because he made timely saves, timely, timely saves, saves through traffic. Uh, there was a one t- right after the flyer scored the Hayes goal. Penguins came back the other way, and he made a it was a one to a quick bang bang play right across the crease. He got across and made the save. Timely saves like that. Did he get burned on that second one? Yeah. Did he get burned on the first one? Yeah. Did, did Brandon Tanner have a ridiculous snipe off the circle? Yeah. But he's going to give up goals like that. But at the end of the night, you know his save percentage for the season so far point nine one two. So he's getting close to that nine twenty. I'm telling you, he's going to get there. Yep. Hashtag um, road to nine twenty. Look, I mean, the Flyers were at, at points grossly outplayed in this game, and Carter Hart made 31 saves on the night. It, did, it was a quiet 31 saves, but he was busy tonight. But um, it's, I, I, I think that he kept them in it in the times where the Flyers weren't really having it together, and until they got it together, Carter Hart kept them alive enough to really start opening things up because, look, Crosby was a monster out there tonight, and they were lucky on a lot of plays that they didn't get burned again, but – I, I, you have to give a, you have to give the whole team credit. This was a a good team effort win, and I think it's good because that's a good solid way you want to start the season. It wasn't a one you had to scratch and claw for it, but it's a good building block because the Penguins played you a lot tougher than I think people expected them to be, mm-hmm. um, and they're going to continue to play them tough no matter what. 
but they just, you know, they didn't play overly bad defensively either. They only gave up 25 shots and Tristan Jari was solid when he needed to be until finally things just fell apart with him. So uh, overall, I think it's just a good start to the season. Let's just put it that way. And I'll end the rant because it's just just a good start to the season. They, They played well and it was a good win. Yeah, because I, I, it's going to be key when we look back at when we're in game 40 or even game 32, and, and by the time we get to game 56 and we're like, where are the points that they need to make up or that they've cleared themselves of to keep that cushion and being the top four, we're going to look back to these early 10 to 15 games that were going to be in the first couple weeks of the season because, again, we, we, we hammered it last episode on episode 59 of our season preview – Points are going to be a premium this year. You're not. You're going to play those pivotal what we they call three point games. You don't want to just win the game. You're going to want to win in regulation because you yeah. don't want to give the your in division in division opponent that that extra point that could get, come and bite bite you in the end at the end of the season when game fifty six rolls around. Bingo, and that's that's key. That's what people need to understand is that this is going to be a dog fight type year, dog eat dog world. Yep. I, I, you come up with any analogy, it's going to be a tough, tough grind because this this conference is, I mean, this division is extremely good. Um, I it, And look, they're going to have it again in a couple days here against this same team, and it's going to be another fight, and it's not going to be easy. And uh, I tell you what, Pittsburgh's going to come out in that next game, and they're going to come out with an edge because they had this game at one point. They did. They just they they did. couldn't convert. They, they could not finish it. And you know they're going to come out in game two. And they're going to play just a hard game. This is going to be starting to see this playoff style hockey here. We're getting at this season. That's going to be really, really crazy to watch. And um, I tell you, if anything goes by, look, as a side note, you had people talking about on Twitter and social media and other outlets saying, Oh wow. Like this team has a shot to win the Stanley cup. Like hold your horses. All right. Yes. They look good in one game, but they had points in this game where they did not look so good. You don't give up 34 shots every night and get out of it alive for the most part. So I, again, one thing at a time, a good team win to start build off it, correct the mistakes. Let's go from here. But I'll flip it to you for this because I think the biggest improvement that we saw was on the power play. Yeah, I mean, two for three on the night. They you obviously saw Matt Niskanen, like we talked about just a few minutes ago. He made an early impact in what he can do. No, he didn't. Matt Niskanen's not playing. I'm sorry, Matt Niskanen. Jesus, <laughs> Eric Gustafson. I'm sorry, Eric <laughs> Gustafson. Uh, listen, 2020 and 2021 seem to be the exact same type of deal. So let's let, let's let's keep rolling with these punches. Three out of the four numbers are the same. Yeah, but like. Uh, just the fact that the power play two stepped up its game when power play one struggled on that first, that, that first power play of the night was a good sign to see, because we've always talked about how um, the flyers are a top heavy team. And you saw that not only on the top 12, but the, the, the four lines on the forward side, but just in the power play in general. So the fact that we saw an immediate impact, two goals on the power play out of their six, that's a, that's a great sign for things to come. And the good thing also was just the fact that the refs seemed to let them play. The, uh, the only real egregious, not egregious, but the calls that they called were uh, too many men on the ice on that third, second or third power play for the Flyers. I can't remember which one, but like they kind of just let them play. There were a couple questionable calls. I thought the holding call, I believe, it was on Voracek where or fair or on um, 
not Farabee. Was it, I guess it was Lawton. Maybe they called a holding call, someone holding Crosby. And I was like, come on. Uh, no, Patrick. Yeah. That, Patrick. Cause he Patrick. didn't have his, he lost his glove. And obviously the, when you, you uh, lost was, your was it Patrick with the slash either or, either yeah. or it doesn't matter. But like, I don't know. Go back I always Jake. think, I always think Crosby gets that ticky tack crap, but that's just me. My well, I, that's, that's the advantage you get where you're the best player in the league. And, mm-hmm. and all the people don't want to admit it. He is. And you know, crack me up. Kenny Albert was talking about, oh, he scored 40-something goals against the Flyers in his career. Well, yeah, I mean, they used to play HNET times a year, and there was a lot of years during that where the Flyers weren't good defensively. No yeah. wonder he has like 40-something goals. I mean, let's be real here. And it kind of hit me tonight when I was watching this. Mm-hmm. You know, Sidney Crosby came out in this league when he was in 2005. It is 2021 now. Actually, I said the exact same thing. Years he's been in the league. 16 years. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, man, it's nuts. I'm gonna, I'm unintentionally gonna make you feel old. He joined the league when I was just entering high school. I even two years graduated. Oh God. Uh, I'm Brian Elliott's age. I'm going to be honest with you. That's yeah. where I'm at on the yeah. ladder. So uh, Listen, I just turned, I just turned 30 over the weekend, as you know, oh, congratulations. Like, Happy God. birthday. Hey, way to join the old man's club. Yeah. Now guess what the cool part is. You're- Every, everything's getting sore way more earlier listen, than I expected. Listen, let so. me tell you, I've always said this theory. I've always said this. When you turn 30, it's awesome because you're not in your twenties anymore. You're mm-hmm. distinguished. You are 30 and then when you're 31 it's even cooler you know why because you're not even 30 anymore you're 31 you got a little more distinguished here and then 32 yeah everything falls apart that's when uh, you okay so i have two more years yeah and when you start getting to my age 35 like man like well that's so not good for claude Giroux. just celebrated his 33rd birthday you know pierre <laughs> mentioned how he he looked faster and i i it's early in the season let's mm-hmm. play at game one G always has that little start at the beginning. I want to see where G finishes at the end of the year because look, at some point with his wheels, they're going to start going away. And look, you can work as hard as you you want. This isn't like the NHL like 20 years ago where at this point when guys 34 or 35, you're at the tail end. Nowadays, guys can play up until their 40s like and, and do it at a pretty decent level. Yammer Yager was really the first guy to really do that. He played in his mid-40s. Chris Chelios yeah. did the same thing, and he retired, I think, in about, I want to say, close to 2009, 2010. Yeah, he, he was retired. close to 50 playing in the NH- yeah. AHL, if I remember correctly. And yeah, and he was, I think he was 45 by the time he was – I remember he played for the Thrash at one point. He was 45. Like, my God, yeah. like, he's still going at it. So, it, times have changed where guys can play older. But, again, it's, it's a speed game. So it's not about if you have the skill. If you don't have the wheels, you'll go down very quickly. That's what happened with Danny Briere. Danny Briere never lost his hands. Danny Briere never got became a poor hockey player. Danny Briere lost his speed. So, and I make the comparison because when it happens, it happens quick. Look, I'll make an example of why. In the 2010-2011 season, Briere scored 34 goals, his career mm-hmm. high. Yep. A year after that, he took a massive step back. And the year after that, he wasn't a flyer anymore. And he was barely keeping on with other teams. So you're at some point, that's going to probably happen to Giroux. Hopefully not this season. But at some point, that's going to wind up happening. Just don't be surprised if you see his numbers just all of a sudden tail off. But I can, I, I'm a little concerned because, and again, we go back to it. He had a good season last year. But he, for whatever reason, he just seems to be the whipping boy for this franchise. It's Jake Voracek, who didn't seem like he was doing much of anything tonight. Early in the game, he had a, a play where he should have shot, and he passed it again. 
And it's it. Um, I think you'll start seeing him start tailing off the season. I don't think Jake's going to reproduce because he's already in the doghouse by and, uh, by by Vigneault saying you got to earn your ice time. And I'll tell I'm you kidding. what, finally someone's holding them accountable, and they did last yeah. year and he came out of it. I don't know because you're playing third line minutes when you're not. You're getting paid for third line minutes. You're getting paid for top line minutes. So and I said it last year, and this might be the case this year. This might be Jake's last year with the Flyers. It might be, and and to that point, and I, I was going to save this, but since you brought it up, I'll address it now. Um, Morgan Frost is a 13th floor forward on this team, and he's one of those kids that you either want him in the AHL in February or you want him somewhere in the top 12 playing his ass off night in and night out. Jake might be the chopping block guy at, out of that because of this. So do you see that happening more quicker than not? So I'll, I'll just say over under game 16 mm. before or after game 16, that Morgan Frost is a, a consistent replacement, not this back and forth that we might see early on and barring any COVID stuff that might, that probably is inevitably going to happen. So here's my take on, on younger guys. And I've, I've evolved with this. I've always been one to kind of say, Oh, if he's good to earn a spot, I I am agreement with that. I, but I don't see the benefit of playing a guy six, nine, 10 minutes, a young guy a night, if he's got a lot of scoring ability and Morgan Frost has that. I don't see a benefit to that. He's better off getting close to 19, 20 minutes down to the AHL level and getting consistent down there because that'll translate better to the NHL. I, I think that that's going to be best. Plus that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is the money. You're not paying Jake eight and a half million dollars on a, on a, in a year where you're not getting gate revenue to, uh, to, to, no, you got the helmet advertised money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it didn't look bad. It doesn't look bad. You can't see him from far, but you can't see it. It's it a I don't know. It's yeah, I get it. But you also got to entice the advertiser because it's all about selling. And not just that, too. Like, listen, I, people don't understand. Hockey would have been, and Bettman said it yesterday, it would be cheaper for them just to shut the doors and not play. It would be. The teams are losing a lot of money. They're doing this because they know the fans want it. And yep. you have to give the league credit for that. They're doing the right thing and putting it in front of them with the hopes that by playoff time, by playoff time, by the time we get to even the final, that their ass is in that seat so they can sell those tickets. And, and yep. that's exactly what it comes down to. I, I, you're not going to pay Jake all that money to sit on the bench. And, and I give Cunio credit because he's saying you're not going to earn your time. But again, I don't see anything bad with Jake being on the third line because he's going to be playing with Nolan Patrick. And if Nolan Patrick, if he, if Jake wants to drive the play and Nolan Patrick can be that support guy and you have JVR on that line also – that's a great balance. So again, maybe I'm overreacting a little bit with Jake because it's been one game, but I've seen this from Jake too many times for it to be able. Yeah, to- we all have. I I, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's a weird, it's, it's not a, it's not a problem. It's a problem, but it's not like a season detriment problem, right? Yeah. Like they can figure this out without hindering the entire season of 2021. So yes, it's vital that Jake figures his, his, his issues out or park it. And like, that's where you're going to be. And we're just going to stick with Morgan Frost for what you were talking about, 18, 19, 20 minutes at night and see what we got in Morgan Frost. Because look at Joel Farabee. Joel Farabee had a incredible night. He had a really good night. You saw, I mean, he had a four point night. He's the first game in four points out of his new weight, his new number, like you saw what that extra 20 to 30 pounds that he put on really meant to him or really could do 
right out of the gate here. You saw his one goal. He had three assists and a goal. His goal was just all muscling to the bat, to the net to get that goal. So Joel Farabee is a prime example of what Morgan Frost could develop into in terms of making an immediate impact and taking the spot of a, of a well-known uh, franchise guy or, or, or veteran. And, and that's the end of that veteran in Jake Voracek. Well, hold on. We'll have to see what happens with the money. And that's mm-hmm. what it's going to come down to it. The money. It always they're, does. They're, and they're not going to, they're going to keep him. I think he's got two years left on his deal. I mean, I, I think we talked about it last season where if they're going to get out of his contract, this year would be the deal because of the, the money that's due and the signing bonus. This might be the year if they're going to do it or not. I don't want to look 55 games down the line and playoffs if they get in and see what happens. Morgan Frost, if he needs to come up and play, you're not going to sit Jake to do that at the moment. I just even 16 games in, I think you let Jake work it out and just kind of make right. a decision of what he is. With Joel Farabee, though, it's different because Joel Farabee was really strong tonight and he's a kid 20 years old. Now, you talked about him putting on the extra weight, which really was 10 pounds, the muscle that he put on, but it makes a big difference because you're stronger on your skates. He's already a good skater and he adds muscle so he can fend off the puck a little more, which is why you see Crosby being able to do that on a constant basis because his lower body is so strong. I mean, he's got a lot more muscle than you think that he can fend off these guys. Farabee's going to get to that at some point. I think he started doing that, saw that tonight, because not only did he have a full season of experience under his belt last year, not only did he get playoffs, he added weight, and he's 20. So his body also got a little bigger, too. So Farabee's going to grow even more, and he'll become a big, forceful player in the next couple years here. But tonight, you saw the flashes of what he could be and, and getting into it. And I'll tell you what. If anything, I think what's really cool out of all this is the most important thing was the return of Nolan Patrick and getting a goal in his return. I, you know, yeah, <laughs> went off his rear end, excuse me. But uh, you know what? Take it any way you can get it for a guy who didn't play professional hockey in over 600 days. That's got to be so awesome. And I think that's a lot to look forward to with that as well because you're starting to see like guys like Farabee. Farabee, you're seeing Patrick, you're seeing Konechny, Hart. Sandheim, Myers, all these guys in the lower 20s, you're seeing the core here. That's six guys I just named yeah. off the top of my head right there. Six That's... guys there is going to be a huge core of this team going forward. So um, there's a lot of excitement coming out of that. I think it's fun. And I think that it's really good that the way they – you saw the young guys play a big part in tonight's win, not the veterans, which you usually see in first games of the season. It's the young guys taking the, the thing. The team has an opportunity to do something, and I think that – you know, it starts to be, hey, passing the torch from one core to another that might be coming up sooner rather than later. And you might see it for the season where these kids start taking over, start outperforming some of the veterans who are higher paid. Yeah, I think that's absolutely going to happen. And it leads to what we let off this show with before. And it's a good spot to where we can wrap too. like what the question really is for this season. I think who is a suitable guy to pair with Provorov, the young guy. Do you go with, do you take the risk of pairing him with a guy? Cause like we said, this Justin Braun thing is probably going to be the same thing for Friday night. For if I were to for guess now. for now, yeah. right. It's not going to last forever. It's not going to last more than 10 games, 15 yeah. games after a it while, it's going to be away. So AV is going to have to decide, do I pair him with the young kid who looked pretty strong tonight, specifically in Philip Myers, or do I pair him with the 
veteran, but that's a struggling veteran in Shane Gossespierre, who's on the higher end of 20. He's around 27. He's almost 28, I believe. So, like, that's going to be the big question, I think. Who pairs with Ivan Provorov? Because you're not going to put him with uh, Gustafson. You're not going to put him with Sanheim. You're not going to put him uh, with, 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 with any of these guys other than Justin Braun, Shane Gossespierre, or Philip Myers, in my opinion. Those are the three the options you really have. I know they've been hesitant to break up Myers and Sanheim because they do yeah, well together. Yeah, it's a good bail. But Provorov finished tonight with 23 minutes even. Guess who was second? Phil Myers. Phil Myers. I was going to say, Philip was up there. He seemed to be out there a lot. I think that I, I, the way you look at it is this way. is that it, Because it's not, and again, it's not a slate against Justin Braun. It's because if you have Braun and Provorov together, you're not going to get the most out of Provorov. And you need that because he's going to have to be the one pressing the play. You need someone working with him so he can be the offensive threat you need him to be. Yep. If he's got to be that guy, you could just – teams will zone in on him. He's not going to get as many opportunities as he would have in the past. If you put a guy like Phil Myers up with him, and again, they've been hesitant to break up Myers and Sanheim because they've had, they've, they've had success together. You break up Myers and Sanheim. Now, you can't put Haig – and and Braun together because they were terrible last season. Yeah, and they're even, too slow. The, the, not just that, even and even the analytic people are saying they were bad. Ooh. But because they are both defensive guys, you have to look at style yeah. of player and the way they play together. Just because they're they're stay at home guys, they don't they don't really push the pace up the ice. So you can't have that. You got guys who can move the puck out of your zone and transition with all four lines. That's how you roll all four. But. Going back to your point, I would if, if it were me behind the bench, I'm not Vigneault, but just from looking at it from afar, I would put Provorov and Myers together and see what Myers could do. I'd put Sanheim and Braun together because I still think that you can have Sanheim log a lot of minutes and be solid enough because you, you're not looking for Sanheim for his all-around game. He does he contributes on offense and he's he's like that Niskanen prototype. But Sanheim and Provorov have not worked out in the past. But if you put Sanheim up there, then you're really weakening your second pair. I don't think Myers and Braun would be good together. Um, I think that it would be Sanheim and it would be Braun that would be a good thing. And then you have Gustafson, who's that offensive push guy, and then Robert Haig down low. Or even put Gustafson and Braun together and figure out what you do with Robert Haig or maybe bounce him and out with him between Sanheim and um and, and Haig and Sanheim with and flipping uh, Gossespierre here and there when he's able to go. So I was gonna say, so are you out on Gossespierre, or are you just kind of like you plug him in when you need a guy? You, you plug him in when you need push. Like yeah. and they did that very well during the playoffs, and I think that that's where Shane's at in his career. I I don't know if Shane, and again, it's a COVID thing, and I think he's fully healthy now. But I think Shane's a guy you need to pop in and pop out of your lineup when you need a spark. I don't know if Shane on this team, not another one, but on this team, really fits a guy who can be an everyday, you know, uh, top six defenseman for you. Top six. There's only six defensemen. But I don't think he can be an everyday three, four. I think he's more of a five, six kind of guy defensively. Offensively, he's very similar to Gustafson. And if Gustafson, out, you know, plays really well, there's no reason to pull him out of the lineup. So, I think that I think the way to go with it would be Provorov, Myers, Sanheim, Braun, and then Gustafson and Haig because and you have balance there of the yeah. different types of defensive players and guys who can press on offense. And then you have Sanheim as your two way guy, so he can do both. So it really doesn't matter there. Um, but there again, it goes back to this before I wrap it up. 
it goes back. They're going to look at the analytics on it. I don't agree with it at all, but they're going to look at the, the analytic numbers. And if it doesn't work, they're not going to do it. But again, it, that that's, that's where my, it's where it aggravates me because you have guys who can work together based upon their style as a play. And you're going to look at percentages on an Excel spreadsheet, because that's apparently what wins you Stanley cups now, apparently. Well, I mean, it just won it for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, I mean, it's well, they have they have ridiculous amount of speed and talent. So, yeah. I mean, you're, they're, because they're, of analytics. Yeah. Well, you can go the whole money ball thing. I'll never agree with it. There's nothing you'll do to convince me of it. It's just how it is. I'm an old school hockey guy when it comes to that. I won't budge off it. So, yeah, when it comes to <laughs> don't really care. Uh, at the end of the day, though. As long as you have the the numbers higher in the win column than the loss column, that to me, that's all that matters. At the end. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I always was, I wasn't a super fan of it, but I think it worked better than people want to give give credit to in the Shane and Provorov pairing. Um, I think it would be interesting to see how they would work under an AV system compared to a Dave Haxtell system. I think that is a serious thing that could be a huge difference. Um, but again, I, oh, I'm ever since they've signed Gustafson, it's kind of like, what's the point of Shane? You know, exactly. at, at the end exactly. of the at the end of this, you're looking at these at these six seven defensemen that they're holding on to their roster with, and you're like they don't really need Shane anymore. Like that's, I, I just have this sneaking suspicion by game 2025. 20, Shane's going to be off the lineup for 18 of those say it, like he's getting very limited and Chuck Fletcher is going to pull the trigger on something. Doesn't mean it's Patrick line. A doesn't mean it's going for Neilander or in Toronto or, or anything like that. But it's just kind of like, I think, as as much as I think it, it it's as much as I, I, I as much as I would like Shane, I think that we're at the point where it's best that we, they just cut the cord and see what happens. Well, Wait, it's but, hard to do if nobody wants to take on that salary yeah. for a guy. Look, think about it this way from perspective, from a business perspective. If I'm a GM, do I really want a guy who can't crack the top six of the Flyers? Yeah, of course. And all no. of a sudden, you want to talk him, spot him in the two in the two hole when he couldn't do it for years. Now, granted, he's healthy. But it's every year. It's always healthy bounce back season. Blah, blah blah. He's he is what he is at this point. Like he's 27, 28 years old. He's he's getting up there. He's he he is what he is at this point. And you're right. If they can rekindle Gustafson the way he had the points in Chicago a couple of years ago, that would be very very beneficial for them. And they don't need Ghost. But then you have someone who have to figure out how you got to take on that kind of money, like four and a half million dollars on a flat mm-hmm. cap. A lot of things play into that. So, but also it comes to this as well. Yes, you have Mark Friedman as one of your guys on the on the taxi, um, the taxi portion with the yeah, call. Right. Yeah. But uh, uh are, are you more confident with Mark Friedman or are you more confident with Shane Goss's bear? Be I'm more confident in ghosts when you're talking defense. Forwards doesn't matter. Defense does. So um I, I don't have a problem taking a young guy and put him in the top, you know, top six. It's, it's uh, and it's no big deal to me. It, it it doesn't it adds more than it takes away. Defensively, it's a big deal. So if you're looking at depth and, and this team internally, they think they're good enough to take it all the way. You want that depth there of Shane Gossespierre as your seven just to be safe because if one of these guys gets hurt, especially one of your offensive play drivers, you're going to want a guy like that in your in your back pocket. And, you know, look, Shane might be one of these Nick Foles types 
type folk heroes where he'll come off the yeah. off the bench and all of a sudden just light it up and carry this team to the promised land. You never know. Yeah, and I, I think that they believe enough in him and have been around. And look at the Sam Marn situation. They they tried to move him to a new position in order to prolong his career. I don't think they're, if anything, they're being patient with him and want it to work. But the matter is, at this point, where? Where do you put him in at? You just, yeah. you, you have well, so I, much I think, talent there. Yeah, but I also think that the, the position change to, to him from defenseman to winger, I think it was inevitably always going to start in the AHL. Like, what's the oh, point? Of course, I'm, not, I'm not talking about yeah. more. I'm talking about Ghost. I'm talking oh, about so, right, right, right. Okay. Where, where, where you put him? But you have a glutton of talent in your back end. Thank you, Ron Hexall. You, we, we know you died for for our sins. Yeah. Um, but where, where do you fit him in at? And and that and that's. But at the same time, if you have a guy go down, God forbid, it's Provorov. Well, then guess what? <laughs> yeah, Travis Sanai becomes your number one defenseman. You need someone in there to play that, to push that puck up ice and go shoot guy. So. Uh, again, I, I think that if you look back at the at the moves in the offseason, flat cap and everything, the best thing they could have done was kept Shane for depth purposes because you, you, you're already budgeted for it. Yep. Um, but again, it, it, at some point, he's going to get in there. It's just a matter of who and where. But I don't think you're going to see him pro Rob. But could it work? Yeah, but I don't think you're going to take a guy who's been a healthy scratch for a long time and pop him in as your number two. I mean, I just I don't think Vigneault is going to do that. No, I don't think he is either. And, and that was a good – I actually thought we saw a little bit of uh, Shane Gosper out of Claude Giroux tonight. You saw him on the blue line. I think it was on one of the power players. The top power play. Yeah, yeah. He, he dove for a puck to keep it inside the blue zone, and that was – that was a la Shane Gossesbear 2014-2015. Like, that was – that's when – Columbus. Right? Yeah. Did the blue line, and they tried to get that game to overtime. I remember that. It's weird. Yeah. That but, so that it was it was fun times with Shane, but I think it's it's kind of like I'll 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 remember the point the rookie point streak the the extra uh, effort that he made to keep the puck inside the zone, and 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 that's it. Like he may be on the team that wins a cup, whether it's the Flyers or someone down the line, but he's going to just be a guy that was a contributor and not uh, anything substantial. Personally, I think Shane could use a change of scenery. I think it would be good for him. I just don't yeah. think there's too much town here for him to really be able to crack through it. And another yeah, it's a good, team, it's he'd, be, a good, he'd be dominant. It's a good problem to have for the Flyers. Yeah, exactly, and that's why you keep him. Yeah. Um, you know, you look back, though, like with Giroux, like it's good they're using Giroux. They're not using him as a, as a down-low guy, running him off the half wall. They use him as a power play quarterback on the point. Because when I heard the – when they had the first power play, I had just about gotten home, and I listened on the radio, and I heard the power play out there was um, was Konechny. Limblom, uh, Couturier, uh, what's it called? Pro- Provorov and Giroux. And I'm like, wow. Or Hayes and Giroux. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, like that's a, that's, that's a pretty, you only have one defenseman out there. And it's Provorov. And then your two, your, your second power play unit is Jake JVR and Nolan Patrick. And it's like, man, like that's a lot of offensive punch for special teams. that should improve. So just goes to the depth that this team has all of a sudden. Yeah, just the, the fact we, we focus a lot of time on defense, but talk about the offensive as well. Like, their past second power play unit would be a lot of teams. Number one power play. Units. Yeah. I mean, Nolan Patrick is playing a third line center right now. That, yeah. that, that, that that's wild to me. I mean, I obviously yeah. the kid hasn't played in like 658 days or whatever the number is at the end of it. Thanks to his mind because of his migraines, I should say. And it, it was just amazing to see him on the ice. You saw, you, as you said, he had the goal tonight, just the him being a consistent third line center. Is just one of those things again. Thank you, Ron Hextall. 
Well, it goes back to this. They talked about it last season beforehand because it would get him better matchups. Mm-hmm. Nolan Patrick was pushed into a situation where he was a second line center on a team that really didn't have anything around him or behind him at the time. And he struggled quite a bit in that role. But when he came down to a little role and they diminished his ice time and they put him on the third line, he got better. He's still a young guy. Let's not forget. He's, you think he's 21, 22 years old and probably not even that old at this point. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think I'll double check and see how old he is, but he is, uh, hang on a second. It is loading. He is 22. Excuse me. So he's 22 years old. He's a young guy playing center in the National Hockey League. Playing those third line minutes are going to get him better matchups because he's going to be saying he's going to be facing top two lines, be facing more bottom lines, so to speak. He's not going to be facing that top shutdown center that he would in the past. So that'll allow him in a line to be able to play a little bit more different style, more kind of crash the net, grind it out, you know, having drive the net and having another guy go to the net. And it's, um, you know, one guy driving with the puck down low, another guy driving in the net. Mullen Patrick could be that F2, F3 in the play, which he's really successful at. Um, it, it's it, it's going to help him in the long run. And eventually what will wind up happening is this will wind up happening somewhere down the line is it's still you're going to have a good problem at center where you're going to have Kevin Hayes, you're going to have Sean Couturier, and you're going to have Nolan Patrick, and you have Scott Lawton. I mean, all those guys, they're – I don't know why I need to show you my fingers, but you can't see that. <laughs> I'm, I'm waving my hand back and forth, showing Bill how to count the four. Um, you're young. You're only 30, so I'm teaching you how to do it. Um, but well, if you're watching the episode on YouTube, you can see him count the four. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and by the way, I wanted to say proud Papa moment tonight. So mm-hmm. I'm already in mid-season form. I kind of yelled at TV. My wife. Oh, I saw this tweet. Yeah. yeah. So at, uh, at orange or back check if you're uh, at O back check if you haven't yeah. already. So it was a play when Konechny or Jake, one of them didn't shoot. It was that they just, I'm like, oh my God, like, what are you doing? My three-year-old goes, ah, like this. And I was like, my wife was like, you're kidding me. I'm like, I'm so proud right now. That is a proud you should moment. Be. Yeah. I showed him how to be a Philadelphia fan where you constantly are pulling <laughs> out your hair and having your hands or your face because you can't believe what your team is doing. And that's at a six, three win. Wait till we, until they lose a game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But overall, man, look to, to, to kind of just summarize everything I've been ranting about for the past five minutes. I'm very impressed by the way this team looks so far, but again, it's one game, just like when they got blown out by Pittsburgh last year and everybody freaked out saying the whole thing needs to get blown up. Nobody should be freaking out over one game. This thing, this thing still has a long way to go against a team. that's going to be a little pissed off how they gave up the game tonight. So um, let's see how they respond. Let's, let's yeah. hope we see the flyers from January into February and not the Flyers that were inconsistent for their first couple months there. So they play seven o'clock on Friday night again here in Pittsburgh, or here in Philadelphia against okay. Pittsburgh. If you're in Pittsburgh, how dare you? I, I'm, I'm you're wearing a Flyers shirt. You live outside of Philadelphia. What do you think we're going to Allegheny County all of a sudden? I'm so, I'm, it's it's this it, it's 2021, man. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no. Uh, so they play Friday night, seven o'clock in Philadelphia against the Penguins again. I love this mini series concept because mm-hmm. they have Buffalo starting on Monday. And then I think it's uh, Boston. Maybe I don't either way. It doesn't matter. It, it, it's I know it's Buffalo next after this. This mini series concept is is amazing. It is, it's genius. I love it. And it limits travel. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. Uh, before we wrap, they're going to win. 
They're going to start the series seasons two and zero, or are they going to split it, whether it's a loss or an overtime loss. Just count that as one loss. That's a good question. Um, I let me put it this way, and I, I can only make it this simple because it's only one game. If they play like they did in the first and second period, they're going to lose. So they play like they mm-hmm. did and late in the second and the third, they're going to win. Okay. But yeah. it depends. Are they going to start Carter Hart again? Are they going to have Brian Elliott play? No, I think. I think. I think- I, I would imagine that AV is going to – my guess is Carter Hart does the first five games at least. No, because I'm Don't looking think? at the schedule now. Here's why. So they're playing in Friday, which is a day off in between. They get mm-hmm. they play Pittsburgh. and So Carter Hart will probably start. Then they don't play again until Monday at home against the Sabres. Oh, but then they play on Tuesday against the Sabres. So back-to-back. I bet you we'll see in the first that back-to-back, we'll see Brian Elliott. Elliott. So yep. Monday is Elliott. Okay. Yep. And then yeah, they play right. – Boston in two sets, then the Devils in two two games, and then the Islanders in two games, and oh my god, like uh, this is this con. You're right, man. This concept is just beyond fantastic. Because then they have three out of four games where they play the they play the Rangers. So in February, so this is I, this is like they both. There's a lot of people. Uh, by the way, I finished Brian Burke's book, the audio. Oh book. yeah, yeah, yeah. Talked yeah. about it. it's, it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. It, it. it was an eight hour audio book, and I finished it in two and a half weeks, driving back and forth to work and stuff. Oh, that's great. It, it was great. It, however, he was talking about there's one thing that the league wants. They should. He thinks that the league should cut back games. If you go to a model like this, you could theoretically cut back your games more because everyone would mean a lot more. You'll draw a lot more revenue, I think, that way too, because you'll sell out more buildings or teams yep. people want to see them. So, good point. Um, you do it like baseball's model. This could be something the league could look at and be like, "Hey, this kind of worked. We might want to do this going forward." So, yeah. I'm I, I'm so excited because this is going to be a crazy thing. And finally, it, you know, one of these years, maybe Carter Hart will actually participate in a full 82 game season, which he's right? not done yet so far. This kid, career. this kid, it, like I think. The con- I think we've talked about it. The general consensus is he's a number one on the cusp of being elite. He's on the hashtag, as we were doing, hashtag road to 920. We w- want him to hit that 920 elite save percentage marker. Um, it- it's just like, it- it- can we just get him 82 games? <laughs> right? Nice. We play Because that would season. be a good gauge if he's actually an elite goalie. Yeah, but exactly. You're not going to see much out of 56 games, but still, and his limited it's- ones last year. Hey, look. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited to see what this season is going to turn out. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a grind. This is a good way to start it. Let's see what happens on Friday. We could have a totally different conversation on Friday. We really could. Hope, hopefully not. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to do it for episode 60 of Orange and Backcheck. Game one is in the books. Hockey is back. Uh, I, I've said that, I think, in that exact tone and manner for three straight episodes. And I don't care because I'm so happy that we actually got hockey because as you said, Gary Bettman was willing to just shut the doors and lose the money that way because it was cheaper. Uh, better to lose the money that way. But anyway, we are back. 55 games to go. We're going to be here every step of the way. Join us, why don't you? Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of it. Orange and Backcheck. Send us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you want to contribute to our mailbag, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. For Scott, I'm Bill. We'll catch you next time. Crosby sucks. I felt good to say that. This is the first time we said it. I can't believe it. Right?